Thanks for joining us in another episode of Changing the Game. My name is Jeffrey Brown of SonicsRising.com and Storm Chasers. My name is Colin Davenport of todaysfastbreak.com. Before we get started talking about the WNBA, we do have to take a moment uh, to just give our thoughts and prayers out to just the tragedies down in Orlando, um, the killing of senior Christina Grimmie, and the just senseless murders of 50-plus people in the club down there. And it's just terrible to see. It's clearly another terrible tragedy that we have faced as a nation, and it's definitely something we need to bring an end to. Obviously, Jeff and I do not have those solutions, but it should definitely help start a discussion on how we can move forward and heal as a population, as a country, and as a world. Yeah, we need to spread more love in this world, and we just need to stop killing people. With that, we are going to get back into our regular programming covering the WNBA, and we are going to start by looking at the now 10-0 Minnesota Lynx and their recent contest, particularly against the upstart Atlanta Dream. So, yeah, Minnesota continues to just dominate the league right now. Obviously, like Colin said, they're 10-0. They went into Atlanta, who, you know, has been surprising a lot of people with their great start this season. Minnesota just came in there and took it to them. They won 110-78. So we bring up Atlanta because, as we've said, they are the upstart team to beat there in the East. And Minnesota came into Atlanta, and the first half was a hard-fought duking it out. These two teams are equally matched. At halftime, it was a one-point game with Minnesota up 46-45. to The second half, things were very, very different. Minnesota would score 64 points in the second half alone versus 33 from Atlanta. That is a 31-point swing in Minnesota's favor for the 110-78 final. What this brings up is the 10-0 start and just the utter dominance of Minnesota so far this season. Yeah, and Maya Moore ended up having 19 points in that game. Sylvia Fowles added 14 points and 11 rebounds. Gia Perkins added 18, and Lindsey Whalen also had 17. And Renee Montgomery had 13 points, 5 assists, and 2 rebounds in the contest. One thing a lot of Storm fans have been wondering about last year was the trade of Montgomery along with a second-round draft pick to acquire shooting guard Monica Wright from Minnesota. This has been brought up constantly on message boards, on fan sites. So what we wanted to do is compare and contrast the numbers not just of those two particular players, but the numbers of Renee Montgomery. So I will throw it back to Jeff to break down those numbers. Montgomery is, is definitely playing really well off the bench for the Minnesota Lynx this year. Uh, she is averaging 9.2 points a game in a little under 21 minutes, and uh, she's also averaging two steals and three assists per game. Compare that to last season with Minnesota, she was scoring 5.7 points a game in 18 minutes, and had about a half a steal a game and two and a half assists. And with Seattle, where she's also getting about 18 minutes uh, before she was traded to Minnesota, she's scoring about seven points a game, one steal, three assists. Uh, so it's, it's pretty similar numbers to what she was doing last year with Seattle. Um, just a little bit more with uh, with a couple more minutes playing time. The entire difference between Renee Montgomery last year with Seattle and Renee Montgomery this year with Minnesota essentially comes down to the two more minutes a game. She's getting one more field goal attempt. She's scoring one more field goal. So a lot of fans have been asking, why would we trade such a great player? Look what she's doing this year. Her numbers are the same as they were last year. Now this does bring up a conversation about well, we got only Monica Wright, who's not really playing. She's played in six of the ten contests so far, not seen a lot of minutes. 
what should be considered in that situation is what are the team needs on Seattle moving forward. We have Sue Bird, who's obviously a legendary point guard, but we also have scoring now coming from Brianna Stewart. We didn't know that at the time, but we have her now. We had Jewel Lloyd, a developing guard who's got to take minutes somewhere. We've got other players such as Ramuto Kashki, who came out of nowhere last as a rookie, scoring a lot of points. Crystal Langhorn still on the team for offensive purposes. You have to look at where a shot's going to come from from Renee Montgomery. You have to look at, as well, where a minute's going to come from for players like Jewel Lloyd. Monica Wright also adds a lot more size than Montgomery has, adds championship experience and pedigree, and very much fits in and buys into the system that Jenny Busek is attempting to put in place. Yeah, and with that said, I know when uh, I had a chance to talk to Alicia Valvanis before this season started, she had specifically mentioned that Jenny had talked to her and said, hey, if there's any way that you can get Monica Wright on this team, you got to do it. And I think that's, you know, like Colin's talking about her championship experience, her defensive ability. Obviously, uh, Montgomery has the steals, but with her lack of size, she can be a defensive liability at times. Monica Wright has been known to be a very good defensive player. But even on the steal side of things, Monica Wright's averaging over half a steal a game in only eight minutes per contest. She's highly efficient when she gets to play. She's had minor issues with turnovers, that goes without saying. And essentially it comes down to, at the start of this season, Jenny Busek was very adamant that she was trying to find chemistry, particularly with her starting lineup. Outside of really Sue Bird and Crystal Langhorn, you have a very young starting five, especially when your two stars are a second-year player and a rookie. They have to get used to playing together in gel. That's where the minutes for Monica Wright were not available. Sue was playing a ton of minutes, more than she really should be. But then again, she really stepped up, has been having the year of her career so far. A fantastic season for Sue so far. Montgomery versus Monica Wright, you have to take all of those pieces into consideration. You also have to, of course, one thing I haven't mentioned is we still also have in the guards Jenna O'Hay and Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis, both known for scoring. Monica Wright is known as a lockdown defensive player and brings leadership and intangibles that Renee Montgomery might not have been able to bring to the team. One last thing I want to talk about that fans may not think about or factor in when they're just looking at box scores and stats between these two players with Montgomery and Monica Wright. Obviously, when we traded for Monica Wright last season and she was injured, she didn't get to play at all last season. Renee Montgomery obviously was, and she was like, you know, reading off those stats, she was playing pretty well off the bench for the Storm. Um, You could factor in that. Renee may have been able to help Seattle win one or two more games last season if we had kept her. That may have been the difference between getting the number one overall pick and not getting it. And, you know, obviously with a talent like Brianna Stewart, nobody wants to tank for talent. But when it's a year like that, when they're already not going to be one of the playoff contending teams, if you're going to do it, last season was the year to do it. And so that possibly could have played a factor as well. So going back to the Minnesota Lynx, as Colin mentioned, they have tied the record for the best start in WNBA history at 10-0. They will have an opportunity to break that record against the Indiana Fever. They host the Fever on June 14th, so that'll be really interesting to see. I think they're probably going to break that record. After that, the Minnesota Lynx will play Seattle, and then... We come to probably the most highly anticipated matchup of this WNBA season. You have two undefeated teams still, and they have not played each other, but they will twice next week. First, it's Minnesota at L.A. on June 21st, 
and then it'll be the Sparks in Minnesota on June 24th. This could potentially be a preview of the WNBA Finals with the new playoff format where it's best teams going up against each other. And with that, I'm going to throw it back over to Colin so he can talk a little bit more about the Los Angeles Sparks. Los Angeles Sparks, in particular, won Neka Agumake, had a resounding victory over the Dallas Wings in a 97-73 win in Dallas. Neka Agumake played out of her mind and possibly proved she is not of this planet, <laughs> finishing with 32 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal. Shooting 12 for 12 from the floor, 1 for 1 from 3, and 7 for 7 from the line. This makes up for the poor offensive scoring output of Candace Parker in that game, who finished with just 6 points. However, she's still making an argument for MVP, filled the stat sheet with 8 rebounds and 6 assists. This was a very huge deal there with NECA's performance. It is rare if you ever see a player go perfect from the floor, perfect from three, and perfect from the line, especially with that many shot attempts between from the field and from the line. There were 19 times she shot the basketball in that game. She made every single one of them. That might go down as the game of her career. Yeah, it's incredibly impressive. And she's making an argument right now as possibly also joining that MVP debate with the way she has played so far this season and just in that game alone. So another thing we want to do in this podcast, we want to highlight other teams in the WNBA, and so this week we decided to pick the Dallas Wings. At the start of the season, Dallas was picked as one of the potential teams to compete, not necessarily for a championship, but a deep run into the playoffs. So far, though, they have struggled with injuries and a suspension of Glory Johnson. Johnson was serving her seven-game suspension from last year's domestic violence case involving Brittany Griner. She was unable to serve that last year due to her pregnancy. So she has been out the first seven games. Skylar Diggins had played only the home opener before sitting out again, still recovering from her ACL. She has now played in two contests. This has led to the team being 3-6 and six to start the season. Not helping their cause has been their five straight losses. However, making it even worse for them is who they have played for those five losses. They have had to take on Atlanta, Chicago, Minnesota, Washington, and L.A., which has led to the five straight losses. They have been close in several games. They lost to Chicago 92-87. to 87. It's just a question of how fast these players can get healthy and how fast this team can then gel to move forward and become better as a unit. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see because I know they were very much an up-and-coming team uh, last season. You know, I think they surprised some people with their record. And uh, obviously, you know, a lot of young talent, Sims and Diggins. And, you know, they had Amanda Zowie B before they traded her. And, you know, that looked like that was going to be another good piece for them. So they had a good push to the playoffs last season. And But this season, it, it's struggling out of the gate for sure. I think we're definitely seeing the difference. Last year when you had Diggins go out, the team was able to unify around her not being there and find a way to win, find a way to push through some tough times and make the playoffs. This year, Diggins is still part of the team, so they can't really build any cohesion without her because she is there but isn't able to play full-time yet. She's obviously coming back, making strides in that regard. They're still featuring Odyssey Sims, who's putting up 15.3 points and 3.8 assists. Karima Christmas is having a great season so far, 12.8 points, 6.7 rebounds. 
Courtney Paris, normally leading the league in rebounds, is averaging 9.6 a game this year. Dallas is actually fourth in the league in rebounds as a team. Glory Johnson has only been back for two contests, has scored 11 points per contest, and Planet Pearson's averaging over 10 a game. If you're keeping up there, that's five players on their roster currently averaging double figures, and Skylar Diggins had 13 points in her first game back playing real minutes. So you've got a very dynamic, very, very deep squad there in Dallas, and making things very interesting there is their third leading scorer is Ariel Powers, a rookie, just showing the depth of this particular rookie class and how rapidly the talent pool is expanding for the WNBA to have you know, Ariel Powers, Tiffany Mitchell, Brianna Stewart all tearing it up and scoring double figures and playing major minutes is huge and a great sign of the health of this league talent-wise. Yeah, it's going to bring us to our next segment, Rookie Watch. Just kind of an eye out on how the rookies are doing this season. Obviously, in Seattle, we have a close eye because we have the number one overall pick, Brianna Stewart, out of UConn. Uh, but just going back really quick to what Colin was talking about with the Dallas Wings, uh, they drafted Ariel Powers, number five overall in the draft, and she's playing really well. She's got 12.3 points a game in 21 minutes. She's also averaging two rebounds and 1.3 steals a game. Uh, so she's actually the third leading scorer for all rookies right now behind Brianna Stewart and Tiffany Mitchell. Looking in Seattle, uh, Brianna Stewart is averaging 15.7 points a game, 10.1 rebounds. That's good for second in the entire league. She's a double-double machine already in her first season. You know, the 2.9 assists and the 1.7 blocks. Uh, she is definitely playing the most minutes of any rookie. She's playing about 35 minutes a game. Um, that's not really much of a surprise because she is the number one overall pick she's very talented and you know she is a franchise player and she's got to learn so they're going to play her those minutes the number two draft pick mariah jefferson with the san antonio stars she's averaging 7.4 points a game 4.5 assists 1.4 steals in 26 minutes uh, number three was morgan tuck to the connecticut sun she's averaging 7.3 points a game as well and 2.8 rebounds in 17 minutes. The fourth overall pick, Rachel Bannum, is averaging 4.4 points a game, one assist, one steal in 14 minutes. As I've highlighted in previous podcasts, uh, Tiffany Mitchell continues to really shine. Outside of Brianna Stewart, she's the top rookie. She's probably going to give Brianna Stewart the most competition for Rookie of the Year. Stewart did win Rookie of the Month for the month of May. So it'll be interesting. She's struggled a little bit in June here, especially on scoring. So it'll be interesting to see if she still wins that award or if it goes to somebody else like Tiffany Mitchell or Ariel Powers. Once again, Mitchell's with the Indiana Fever. She's scoring 14.1 points a game, two rebounds a game, 1.6 steals, 1.6 assists in 25 minutes. And John Quell Jones, she is averaging 4.3 points a game and four rebounds, which aren't great stats, but she's also only playing 11 minutes. So if you, you know, you put that into the starters minutes, it's about 12 and 12 a game. So that's not bad at all. And with that, we're going to talk about the two storm games that have taken place since our last podcast. First one being against the Connecticut Sun. Unfortunately, Seattle dropped a game that they had. They were winning the entire game. You know, they just gave it up at the last second. Alyssa Thomas was able to sneak past Alicia Clark on a missed shot by Camille Little around the free throw line with about one second left to go in the game. Thomas grabbed the rebound midair, laid it back up for the win. That's a win that you feel like you should get on the road. 
There's no easy teams in the WNBA, but the Connecticut Sun only had one victory up to that point. So it's disappointing to give up a win, Um, especially this is a team, Seattle, that really struggled to win on the road last season. They had only two wins, and they were both against L.A., you know, they really struggled to win on the road. They they almost played 500 ball at home last season. Uh, they only picked up the two victories on the road. So, you know, we had the one key victory against Phoenix early in the season. Other than that, though, this was supposed to be the next road victory. They had a double-digit lead. They just couldn't hold on. Um, some other important stats from this game. Sue Bird, like we said, she is playing one of the best seasons of her career. She's playing a ton of minutes, but she had 24 points and 8 assists in that game. And it was also really good to see Crystal Lanehorn, the other primary veteran player on the Storm. She had 14 points. She's a very efficient scorer. Shot 6 for 7 from the floor, 6 rebounds as well. What I've really started to notice in these games with the Storm this season, it's a very common trend. If Jewel Lloyd does not play well, especially offensively, the Storm lose the game. And unfortunately, this was another game where Jewel Lloyd, she only had nine points on three of eight shooting. If you go back to the Liberty game, which was the one before this one, Lloyd is three and 16 in her last two games. Also, Brianna Stewart struggled quite a bit offensively. If you just take a quick glance at the box score, you might not realize that because she still had 10 points and 12 rebounds. And you'd pretty much take that every game but she was 4 of 14 from the floor including 0 of 5 from three-point range you know we know she has that three-point range it makes her extremely difficult to guard because she's so tall she's so long Um, she can post up she can also hit that three but you know the 0 for 5 from three-point range that's that's got to improve also we've both been praising Alicia Clark she's one of the unsung heroes for the Seattle Storm but unfortunately Clark just had a poor performance against the Indiana Fever. She's normally so efficient from the floor. On a positive, uh, Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis did have seven points in this game, which was tied for a season high. Uh, And those were some clutch baskets. Those were all in the fourth quarter, so it was really good to see. And Colin, you you noticed that there was an issue with substitutions at the very end of the game. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's so much of an issue. It's just the way the game goes sometimes. Uh, In this particular situation, Jenny Busek was attempting to sub back in Jewel Lloyd for that final two to three minute push to secure the victory. And because there was no stoppage in play and she did not want to burn a late timeout, they were unable to get Jewel back in. When Jewel finally did get back in, it's the very end. She did hit a huge clutch three-pointer. But what would have happened in that game? How much How much would the dynamics of that final few minutes changed if Jewel had come back in when Jenny had wanted her to be able to? Obviously, Kalina hit a lot of clutch shots during that period of time. I'm not trying to take anything from Kalina. She played incredible in that stretch. But it's just a question of how would the dynamics have been on the court, particularly defensively and in terms of executing the offense and running plays and running time off the clock if you had Jewel in. It's something very interesting to look at. Yeah, and the other thing with that is, like, even in such a tight game there, you can't even, like, take a foul to get the substitution. Like you said, you can't take the timeout. You need those timeouts in such a tight game. You can't really take the foul either because then you're going to send the team to the foul line. That might be the difference in the game, especially in a one-point loss. We definitely have to give credit to the Connecticut Sun and, and their best players in that game. Morgan Tuck, she ended up having 20 points 
in just 20 minutes, very efficient scoring off the bench, um, you know, really outplayed her former teammate and Brianna Stewart. There was a ton of fans in the crowd there to cheer on all those Connecticut players. And the other player, of course, that we, I've talked about multiple times already was Alyssa Thomas, who had 15 points, which was second to just Tuck. And then she also had nine rebounds, which led the team. And she had four assists, which also led the team. Now, I'm going to say something here that's going to annoy Storm fans, that, but I am going to say I don't feel the Storm deserve to win this game. The performance overall, you look at it, oh, it's such a close game. However, the Storm either played even or were outplayed in all but one quarter. End of the first quarter, it was 19-17 to in favor of Seattle. Then they built the lead with a 19-11 to second quarter. The third and fourth quarters, Connecticut outscored Seattle by 11 points. On top of that, you see a lot of small errors by Seattle. A lot of fans complain about fouls. They were pretty practically even. 16 called against Connecticut, 17 called against Seattle. But Seattle chose to foul in situations that put Connecticut on the line. Seattle shot only nine free throws in this game. Connecticut shot 24. That right there is the entire difference in the game in terms of scoring. The other major issue... And it's something that I have been talking about for a while. Rebounding, particularly on the offensive rebounding side of things, has been very poor for Seattle, particularly in this game. Seattle had just four offensive rebounds. Connecticut had 12. Even with the shortened reset of the shot clock to 14 seconds this year, that means you are playing defense for more seconds. You are wearing yourself out, and you're giving your opponent more looks at the basket. In the end, Connecticut shot one more field goal attempt than Seattle. But again, you've got a lot of fouls on some of those plays, and that just leads to a situation where you get outscored by 11 at the foul line. I just feel personally Seattle did not deserve to win this contest. Now on the positive side of things, the Storm played another game against the Indiana Fever, and they won this game, which was another game that went right down to the wire. They won 90-88. to when Jewel Lloyd was able to draw a foul in the final couple seconds of the game, able to sink those free throws uh, to seal the victory for Seattle. There is a common theme in, in all of Seattle's wins and losses this year. When Jewel Lloyd scores more than 15 points, they're winning their games. Lloyd had a great game. She scored 20 points on 5 of 12 shooting, uh, but maybe more impressive was she was aggressive and attacking the basket, and she got nine free throw attempts and made all nine of them. The only real negative was that she had zero assists and three turnovers, but her offense, that's definitely what they need her for, and so that's where she was able to help the team out. Another great thing, Crystal Lanehorn had another fantastic game. That's always been an interesting thing with Crystal. She's led the team in scoring the past two years that she's been here, but it's it's also kind of like an inconsistent scoring where one game she might have 25, and then the next game she has like five. And so it was really great to see her follow up a game where she had 14 points, and then she had 17 points in this game and five rebounds. Once again, she's one of the most efficient scorers in the league. She shot four or six from the floor. And maybe even more impressive was that she was 9 of 11 from free throw range, and I believe she was shooting under 60% this season. So to hit 9 out of 11. And some of those were really clutch free throws, too, to help, and it's such a close game. Once again, Suberta is playing really fantastic, and she had 16 points in this game. That continues to bump her scoring average. She should be now over 14 points a game, 
which the past couple of years she's only been averaging about 10 points a game. So that's that's pretty significant. She did have a season-high seven turnovers, which isn't good to see from your point guard. But even worse than that was that she ended up taking a really nasty fall calling in the fourth quarter, and she was not getting up for a while. She tried to get up, and she kind of fell back to the floor. She did come back in that game, mm-hmm. which both of us were surprised about. I know I was. What did you think about when she came back into the game? I wasn't surprised she came back. I didn't like the fact she did. I felt if the Storm could have held on, and I think they could have, without her, it would have been a very big positive for the younger players to say, we can win this game without Sue, and it would have just given them confidence. My big concern with this injury, though, is when she went down, she was unable to stand up for a while. She literally had to crawl off the court. My concern is if she has sprained the medial side of her ankle, that this could be something that keeps her out for a little bit of time. The Storm are on a crazy two-week schedule where they're either practicing, traveling, or playing every single day for around 14 straight days. What will this do for Sue moving forward? They've got two games in Texas before they head back to Seattle here, so we'll have to wait and see on that. And do you want to see her play in this next game? I'd like to see her rest for this particular game. I think you've got enough of a backcourt option there with Monica Wright and Jewel Lloyd to carry the point guard duties. You've also, of course, got off-ball scoring with Jenna O'Hay, who played very well in this game against Indiana. You've got Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis, who's able to come in and give you some quality offensive production and has very good and very underrated passing abilities. And if you want to, and I think at some point you should, just to get her some more run time, you have Blake Dietrich sitting there on the bench learning from the best point guard in the world. So I would definitely say rest her, especially against a team like San Antonio. Mariah Jefferson is not yet used to going up against the defense. You're going to see for Monica right anyway. And to risk more injury and time off for Bird because she's trying to keep up with Mariah or any other player could be very detrimental to the team moving forward. Yeah, that could re-aggravate the injury or, or just make it worse, especially, you know, Mariah is a kind of a little speed demon out there. And, you know, to keep up with her, that could just cause more problems. So as you mentioned, yeah, Jenna O'Hay actually had a strong game against Indiana. She did score 10 points off the bench for the Storm in 24 minutes. She also had some good defense. Didn't she have an impressive block? She had a block. I tweeted about it where she actually managed to swat Natalie Achunwa on the low post. And I tweeted out that now I've seen everything. <laughs> Amazingly, she still only had to get about two inches off the ground to make the block. But it, I was sitting there stunned for quite a while. She came off. She played very well. Filled in the role. Didn't try to play outside herself, which she rarely does. But one thing that really stood out, and I know the Storm worked with her on all last season, was she looked very good attacking the basket, something she is definitely not known for. But they spent a lot of time after practice last year working with her on ball fakes and ball handling to get to the rim. And she really attacked the rim for the first time I've ever seen in an actual game consistently over and over again. She went at the Indiana defense, and it really paid dividends for her and the Storm. And she also hit a couple of clutch three-pointers late in that game that that was... You know, really helped Seattle maintain their lead, especially when Indiana was going on their crazy run at the end of the game. 
it was also good to see Alicia Clark. She ended up having a much better game. Um, obviously, we talked about she kind of had a poor game against Connecticut. Uh, she came back very efficient from the floor, four or five shooting, and had nine points. She was a little bit in foul trouble, but other than that, she had a good game. Brianna Stewart, she might be hitting a little bit of that rookie wall right now. She, she continued to struggle offensively. She had just seven points in this game on two and nine shooting from the floor. She had the five rebounds, but that's well below her average of 10. She did lead this team with six assists. You know, that just shows how much she can contribute in all these different ways, even if she's not scoring the points or she's not getting those double-double. And from the Indiana Fever's perspective, uh, Tamika Catchings had her best games of the season. She had 27 points on 9 of 14 shooting. She actually struggled from the three-point range going 1 of 5, but from inside the arc, she was 9 of 10 from the floor. She just could not be stopped down low. She also had the six rebounds. And Brianne January, coming off surgery from last season, contributed 15 points. Uh, Shanice Johnson was the other player in double figures for the Fever, 13 points and four rebounds. Interestingly enough, Tiffany Mitchell, who's been one of the other top rookies in the league besides Brianna Stewart, did not actually have a very good game. That was kind of a contrast for both players. Uh, Stewart and Mitchell, when they played in Indiana just a couple of weeks ago, both had shining games. They were both fantastic. This game, both players struggled. Mitchell was limited to just nine points on two and nine shooting. Uh, that was really a credit to the Storm's defense to slow her down because she's been leading the fever in scoring. And another thing to make note of on this road trip so far is that Markeisha Gatling, a backup center, has not played in either of these two games. Uh, these are the first time she has not played this season. Uh, we don't believe it's any injury. I think this is just a coach's decision. I believe it is definitely matchups. It did kind of surprise me she didn't play against Connecticut with Kelsey Bone down there. That's a very good matchup for her. But I feel that Jenny was attempting to use speed versus size in that particular situation. And it worked for most of that contest. Unfortunately, as we know, it came down to the last second tip-in. It was interesting, though, that she did not play in that particular contest. It wasn't as much a surprise against Indiana, who is a much more small ball lineup. Much, they're still a very tough, hard-nosed team, obviously. But Markeisha isn't necessarily the best matchup for their roster. So it made sense to some degree that she sat out in this particular contest. And obviously it worked really well. The first quarter, Seattle went up 29-12 to and, of course, went on to win the game 90-88. to Two things that really stand out from the perspective of Seattle moving forward. This is the second game in a row where they really, really, really struggled in offensive rebounding. Again, Seattle with four offensive rebounds and Indiana with 15. This is a huge, huge problem when you're giving your opponent that many second chance opportunities, especially when you're looking at a team where Seattle was up 17 after the end of the first quarter, was up 6 going into halftime, up by 12 going into the fourth quarter, and then was outscored by 10 in the final quarter. It came down to the final few possessions of the game. Indiana took their first only and very short-lived lead, 87-86, on a Tiffany Mitchell running layup. This was followed in less than eight seconds by Jewel Lloyd, who hit a shot in a very similar location to her game winner against Phoenix, put the Storm back up on top. The next possession, great defense was played by the Storm. The rebound comes loose, and it bounced just beyond where Jewel Lloyd could control it. It landed in the hands of Shanice Johnson, who was accidentally fouled by Lloyd. Johnson went to the foul line, hit one of the two free throws. Seattle then came down, 
Great defense was played by Indiana, but with 2.4 seconds left, Jewel Lloyd was fouled by Johnson on a jump shot attempt. Lloyd sank both free throws. Indiana were out of timeouts, unable to advance the ball, could not get a shot off, and Seattle escaped with the victory. That's really great to see with Jewel attacking uh, in, in the final minute of that game both on the shot that she just nailed around the free throw line to put the storm back up one, and then for her to be aggressive and attack that basket, draw that contact, force the ref to call that foul, and be able to get the victory for Seattle. I mean, that that's what you want in a franchise player as well, someone that can take that ball in the final minute of the game and make things happen to win the game. One of the absolute biggest keys to this game came and the defensive possession in which the missed shot by Tiffany Mitchell occurred. The switching of lineups by Jenny Busek there was absolutely perfect. She swapped out Sue Bird and Crystal Langhorn for Monica Wright and Ramu Tokashki, giving the length necessary and the size necessary to really disrupt Indiana's possession. And when I saw that, the worry would have been that she would have gone with Sue Bird for the veteran leadership. Uh, She would have stuck with a lineup that was on the floor, but going with the proper defensive lineup that absolutely did their job, played fantastic D on Indiana in that possession, took away all doubt I have in my mind. Jenny Busek is, without a doubt, the coach for the Storm for at least the next four years so she can help build this roster moving forward. So this was a really impressive victory. I mean, they had just played in Indiana, what, a week or two ago? Um, lost by 10, but that game was not that close. No. It was They were down about 20, a good portion of that game. Would you consider this the signature win of the season? Personally, I don't feel it's a signature win. We let a 17-point lead get out of hand. We did manage to fight through it. But for me, the signature win is still beating Phoenix on their home floor at the buzzer that shot by Jewel Lloyd. It's just overcoming the adversity of that game. And a Phoenix team that at the time people didn't know was just struggling quite yet. And it was an incredible shot by Jewel. So I feel this is a very important win for the team moving forward. It builds the character for the franchise. But so far I'm saying that the signature win is still beating Phoenix in Phoenix on that game winner by Lloyd. Although I think we could maybe have two signature wins in this season. Because that was impressive. Like you said, yeah, they gave up the lead. But that, that shows a lot of heart to maintain your cool and especially for that young rookie team it's very easy to be like oh the other team's rallying they're at home we just lost this game again after blowing the last game but no they they stuck with it they were able to pull out a victory and that's really impressive for such a young team especially for a team that really struggled on the road last season only having two victories the entire year they already have two road victories should have third against Connecticut and they just you know barely lost that one the last second um, but that's a really positive sign because that's the key. They were they played nearly 500 at home last season. They got to be able to win on the road. They weren't able to do it last year. If they're able to do it this year, they very well could be a playoff team. Right now, Seattle is tied for sixth place in the WNBA. As I've said before, I believe they're going to finish 16 and 18 and be the first team out of the playoffs. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it. <laughs> I think uh, just one or two games ago, they were the ninth team. Now they pick up this victory. They're the sixth team. With the new playoff format, it's the top eight teams. So we're going to keep an eye on that and see how this season progresses. Every game matters, and it's making it all the more exciting to cover the WNBA this year. With that, we are going to wrap up this episode of Changing the Game. Once again, we have been your hosts. I am Colin Davenport of todaysfastbreak.com. And I'm Jeffrey Brown of sonicsrising.com and Storm Chasers. Thanks for tuning in. See you later. Thanks, guys.